0: I'm Jeffrey Jones, Director of Executive Education and Professional Development at UNC Charlotte, and this is Charlotte Business Buzz. Connecting the Queen City's business community from UNC Charlotte's Belk College of Business, this is Charlotte Business Buzz. As a result of the global pandemic, international travel for students has been suspended since last spring. Despite physical barriers, UNC Charlotte continues to offer opportunities for students to be globally engaged, but in a virtual model helping to prepare students for careers in the global marketplace. Joining us to discuss today are Victor Chen and Adriana Medina. Dr. Victor Chen is an Associate Professor of International Management at the UNC Charlotte's Bilt College of Business, and Dr. Adriana Medina is an Associate Professor in the Cato College of Education. Both recently launched courses supporting globally networked learning initiatives. Victor and Adriana, welcome to the program today. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Well, it's great to have you. I'm really curious about global network learning. Um, Can you start with telling me a little bit about that?
1: So uh, the global network learning or GNL in short is a collaborative approach that enables students, instructors and researchers from locations around the world to uh, participate together in learning and knowledge creation. It provides students with access to virtual international experiences through activities such as cross-cultural discussion, cross-time zone projects in uh, collaborative tasks or a research project or a student conference or other activities. There are several types of GNL. Uh, at UNCC, including class-to-class exchanges, so students are having simultaneous classes by multiple professors in different locations. There are virtual study abroad and internships. Uh, there's virtual research and virtual engagement activities and of course there's also global tech launch which is my model which I, w- I would like to uh, to elaborate later
2: i would say jeff while it's uh, seems like a new term globally networked learning gnl it's really kind of an old idea too You may recognize it for some of us, I don't know, from last century, as telecollaboration. And so it's gotten maybe a little bit of a newer name because the technology allows us to do so much more now, but it's not a new idea entirely.
0: What kind of benefits have you seen in the classroom for yourselves and for students?
1: So I observe the benefits to my students uh, through GNL in several ways. First, they are exposed to a global, virtual, cross-cultural, cross-time zone collaborative environment without actually having to spend a lot of money and time and to take the risk uh, during pandemic to physically travel abroad. So in other words, they have a greater flexibility to test the water of of working and collaborating in one or in in my class, several foreign countries before they decide where they want to go and how deep they want to spend their resources and time to have in-person experience. And this flexibility becomes extremely irrelevant in the current. COVID uh, pandemic situation where students all across the world would love to have a global exposure like this, but not be able to or willing to resume any in-person travel. And uh, although the experience is virtual, students do get the real experiences in a global collaborative setting, such as cross-cultural communications and very often miscommunications, global team building, or learning from how they mess up from the team building and learning from colleagues with different access to local data information resources. As, such as context for conducting business interviews. And this first, the second, uh, so the first is flexibility. The second benefit I would say is this experience combines multiple real-world factors that are becoming increasingly crucial for the new normal of work from anywhere after the pandemic, including virtual meeting skills and working with a globally dispersed virtual team. Now, will give you one example. I have several teens in my class who are working with the Chinese counterparts both in last semester and this semester, and they have to mobilize a accru- across multiple virtual meeting apps back and forth uh, because many apps in the U.S. such as Google, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, you name it, are blocked in China. And later last year and early this year during the trade war between the two countries and many of the Chinese social apps such as WeChat, TikTok, face the same threat from the U.S. government to be blocked. So they had to find a way to work around uh, such difficult technical situations to get the projects done. That is real. So that's something they cannot learn from an in-person or traditional class environment. The final benefit I would say is students are given a longer runway to try many bold ideas and experiments in such virtual experiences before they actually execute what whatever Ideas they have for real work or study abroad. Uh, one example is I have students working with the German MBA students to design field interviews for a U.S.-based medical device product, and they worked together for eight weeks to try several code call techniques, surveys, follow-up methods, and interview techniques. Failed a long way. But they learned from this and eventually found out the best way to get the most relevant responses from the German potential German customers uh, on U.S. products. And learning from trials and errors helped American students build the right skills before they actually land a physical job or career in, in a foreign country such as Germany.
2: And I agree with Victor. The pandemic really presented many challenges, but also many opportunities because I feel like if it was not for the pandemic, I might not have ventured out to do my COIL project last fall. So COIL, C-O-I-L, stands for Collaborative Online International Learning. It's an approach to learning that falls under this idea of virtual exchange and globally networked learning. And basically allows the educators who do not work in a geographical proximity to collaborate across cultures and then to co-develop and co-teach a module or course that brings their students and their content together, utilizing the technology. And while we do it across countries, you could also potentially have a Coil project across regions in the U.S. And so Coil can have both synchronous and asynchronous components. And then the technology is used to interact, learn, discuss, collaborate, create and share across from the two courses. So the students use the technology to do so, which, as Victor says, has its uh, issues that you have to learn to work around, right? And COIL is just a way to internationalize the curriculum and provide students with this cross-cultural learning opportunities. And so last semester, I did a COIL project with my colleagues in Germany, because I was set to lead a study abroad program to Germany, which of course was canceled. And so at first, I was not happy about it. But a couple of months later, we started thinking of different ways that we could still collaborate. And this COIL opportunity because of the pandemic came around. So I might not have taken it up had it not been for the pandemic. What I often hear from students, obviously, when I take students abroad and we do global learning that way, that's life changing. Study abroad is life changing. And I do find that my students uh, grow and develop as people and as teachers because of their experiences abroad. But even from those who participate in the COIL uh, project, I heard that they appreciated that same opportunity of getting to meet people from other countries, seeing and hearing about others' lives there, especially even during the pandemic. Uh, most dis- interesting, I think, is when students realize how much they learn about themselves and their own culture while interacting with people from a different culture, because you have to answer some questions As to why you do what you do, why do Americans do X, Uh, and so on. So there's also that learning, that interpersonal learning, as well as the intercultural learning piece. And then to Victor's point, they do have to learn how to work around uh, certain issues. So for us, um, we're working with Germany, you'd think there would be uh, no technology issues but they don't really rely too much on Google because they don't trust the way that Google can protect information. And so for for Germans, protecting your private information is extremely important. And so our students are so used to, and the university supports Google, the students are so used to using that, that they're like, well, what do you mean we can't do uh, Google? Like, what are we going to do? And then they don't realize that we don't have the only answers. Other cultures have different answers to these same uh issues and problems of how they work on the on the web and collaborate and so they learned that hey just because we use a doodle here to set up appointments doesn't mean they don't have something equivalent to that on the other side in the other world uh, our way is not the only way or the best way all the time and so i think it's like victor said they have to learn these workarounds and problem solve in ways that that wouldn't even be, be an issue in our classes right so you don't have the problem to solve in our face-to-face. But then because you interact with these cultures, it creates naturally some issues that they have to learn to solve.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with uh, Adriana. So uh, I think one big takeaway from the students in this GNL model in general is they have to revisit some of the taken-for-granted assumptions, the technical comfort with with Google, with Doodle, uh, which may not be very popular or accessible in other countries. At the time zone, they should be able to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning or stay, stay at 1 a, one a.m. and get used to it every week. So those are the normal things people would do in, in global business or globally networked work. And, and most students don't have such experiences. I think those are all the good problems for students to experience early on in their life so they are better prepared for the real job. So what about you two?
0: How has GNL changed the classroom experience, the experience of educating for you?
1: So for me, I have been living in the globally networked learning or research activity for a long time. I used to be leading a 14-country research network between 2011 and 2018. That was a large research network across 14 large emerging markets. And that, that was before Zoom, before Webex, so it's less fun. So we had to use traditional phone calls, emails to communicate, and we got lots of delays. And the idea was to to serve as knowledge brokers between the U.S., policymakers, practitioners who are interested in understanding who are making investments, who are rising to make investments from those emerging markets into the U.S. That's, That's back to 2011. So very few people knew Alibaba or Infosys from India and China, Mexico, Russia. So that was a great experience. But the technology part was less fun than what my students enjoy today. I have experienced the benefits of broadening the scope of resources and mindset and the fun of working with different people from different cultures by myself. I would like my students to also uh, enjoy the fun and also to benefit from this learning. So in my class, I, I, can, s- I can tell students very much enjoy it they enjoyed the learning, although there are hiccups. So uh, some students don't like get up at six a.m. in the morning, and some students don't, don't like the technical problems. But those are all the good problems students have to learn and overcome. To become successful in international business overall, I think one measure that that impressed to me a lot is in all my global network learning courses in the beginning, before the class, I set up a survey asking students how confident you are in working in the global business team. And usually the percentage of students who are confident is is between 20 to 30 percent. But after the class, it's usually 95 to 100 percent. And only students who are not very confident are the ones who missed a lot of classes. So those who have enjoyed classes, who who participate fully, uh, have greatly boosted their confidence in in working in a global virtual team.
2: And I would agree with you, Victor. The students do have a hard time with hours difference. And so we even had to have classes on Saturdays. And students did not enjoy having to get up early uh, for a class on Saturday. But that was the only time that we could really have the classes together. And so it really does change their ideas of international collaboration. For me, I don't have a history in this like Victor does, to answer your question, Duff, you know, prior to, to academia, right? I was a classroom teacher before I became a professor. As teacher educators, we really need to prepare teachers to teach all learners, especially those students that are culturally and linguistically different than the teacher, and as you all know, our classrooms are getting more and more diverse every year, but our teaching workforce is not. Um, so one way to help teachers meet the needs of all these learners is to expose them to other cultures, other people through study abroad, virtual exchange, and provide them with the knowledge of the world, like through global literature as well, and to offer these opportunities to gain multiple perspectives so that they develop their own intercultural competence. Because that intercultural competence is the ability to effectively and appropriately like behave and communicate with people in these intercultural situations, right? So this intercultural competence for us as teacher educators is very necessary for a competent teacher. And so we know that these opportunities and experiences influence teachers' intercultural competence, and that goes and affects their classroom practices. So that's where the importance of all this lies for me. And even something as simple like Victor just said, exposure to world English Not everybody in the world speaks English with in the same way. We're speaking English, but with different accents and different types of English. So just something as simple as listening to people speak English in different ways. So I have uh, Brazilian colleagues, they come, they speak English, but it's with a different accent or just in a different way, or, or your German colleagues that speak English or so forth. Even something as simple like that can broaden their perceptions of these students and their families don't speak what you think is perfect English. And therefore, now you treat them differently, right? So that's really one of the important pieces for us as teacher educators in my profession for having this um, global learning opportunities for our students.
0: And has that resonated real well with the students that have been involved so far?
2: Most definitely, most definitely. I do feel that um, it just broadens their awareness in a way that I could not do this alone in the classroom. While I can still have guest speakers, obviously, and I internationalize my curriculum and collaborate with global partners in many different ways. I myself conduct cross-cultural research. I, like I said, take students abroad. I implemented the COIL project. This semester, I had a virtual exchange with students in England. I have, like I said, global conversations that I record and my students listen to, but those are still not them involved in it. They're still passive watching or what have you in some of these cases where I'm interacting with someone, but this where they had to interact with people from across the world and do a product where they needed each other to complete the product. Like you really have to have a product where like Victor was saying in his too, you need the other partner in order to complete this product and the other partner needs you. You couldn't do it alone. It would make no sense. Uh working like that collaboratively and with their hands, you know, sleeves rolled up and your hands in it is very, very different experience. And then what they take away is firsthand, not second hand through me or someone else it makes a
0: big difference. Victor, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to talk a little bit about global tech launch. You wanna share with us how that's set up and how that's similar to or in- Anyway, different from GNL?
1: Yeah, well, I would say Global Tech Lounge is is leveraging the GNL opportunities, so it's built on the platform of GNL. So Global Tech Lounge is designed to virtually team up three groups of players into a real world, real business, immersive experiential learning and doing. It's not only learning. So the three players are business or technology partners who have a market ready product for which they want to explore the possibility of a foreign market and the second player is entrepreneurial lease. and the third player is his global virtual team partners so they work together to apply the learning in my class of foreign market assessment strategic entrepreneurship in a global context and market entry strategy to help promote a market ready technology product from one country to another. So it's a lot more than learning. It's, it's also about doing things. So the, the business tech partners are typically well selected tech startups or high-tech businesses who have a deep technology-based product that has been advanced to the market stage. And the reason to focus on tech is for global market, the market entry is m- much more difficult than domestic market entry. So the products and the companies have to have greater advantage to overcome such taken-for-granted liabilities or foreignness. And high-tech-based products have the natural advantage of overcome a lot of the, the, the tough situations abroad. So the second player is is entrepreneurial leads. Those are the current business students in my class who have completed the prerequisites in business fundamentals and also eight weeks of training of the uh, global business fundamentals. And they are playing the role of chief international business development officers for those business tech partners to help assess the foreign market product fit, identify the misfits and thus risks, and discover the most effective channels, partners, and potential consumers. And they are also responsible for designing a market entry plan. But of course, they cannot do this alone in a foreign market, because although they learn business in my class, they don't know what's going on on the ground in a foreign target market. So the third player to fill in are the global virtual team partners. Uh, those are competitively selected business students based on their professional experiences related to the products, coursework related to international business, and as Adriana mentioned, an important factor is the proficiency of professional English. So they're from those international universities in areas targeted by the business tech partners. And this semester, to target the the markets that the business partners are interested in, have four partners, one from China in Shanghai, Fudan University, one from Japan, Tohoku University, one from Germany, University of Manhattan. A business school and one from South Korea in Seoul, the capital city, called Hongik University. So they work together as a team, and they all have complementary skills. So my students are serving as the chief business officers for them to explore market design service, and the global virtual teams fill the gap by collecting local data, reaching out to contacts for interviews to identify potential partners, consumers, and the business technology partners, they can focus on their their products. That's something they are really good at. And unlike the other models of global network learning, it's a three-way learning. It's not the students learning from each other. It's the technology partners learning from the students from multiple countries. It's students learning from each other across cultures. And also the virtual partners uh, learning about what's going on in the U.S. from technology perspective, from business perspective.
2: And I think that Victor there highlights how the uh, possibilities for GNL, right? It's just it could be so many different things that can be done. It doesn't have to be just one model, one way one partner, it just is really, really versatile. You could do it within disciplines, across disciplines, and be interdisciplinary. There's really just a lot of possibilities for students to tap in to other places across the globe and to have a variety of international opportunities with globally networked learning.
1: Exactly. And uh, the global pandemic is accelerating, such opportunities for everyone.
2: Yeah, the technology just needs to catch up because there are some issues that I encountered as a professor, and maybe you did too, Victor, right? We're not working on one common island. So I'm here, the other partners are here, here for Victor, for me, everything that we created together, we then have to separate back and take back to our institutions to give to our students. It's not like we created in one place, And then the students can all tap in to this one island, if you would, or one platform. The technology is, uh, for us, I think right now, maybe not catching up yet to what we could envision
0: it being. We'll be right back with Victor Chen and Adriana Medina in just a moment on Charlotte Business Buzz. 50 years ago, UNC Charlotte launched the first graduate program in the region for working professionals. Today, this nationally ranked part-time MBA continues to drive business in Charlotte and beyond. Whether you're just starting out in the business world or contemplating your next step in an established career, the UNC Charlotte MBA is designed to meet your individual needs and goals. Learn more at nba.uncc.edu. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation with international management professor, Dr. Victor Chen, and reading and elementary education professor, Dr. Adriana Medina. So now that you've had this uh, experience with COIL, where do you see GNL going for you and what possibilities do you see?
2: So while I've done the COIL, I also did a just a straight up, what I would say, a virtual exchange as well. This isn't something you do for one time. You invest too much to do this one time. I mean, I've been working with my global partners in Germany for 10 years now. So this is an investment that we make in these relationships. I think Victor would agree. It takes time to plan, to conduct the research, to create the courses, uh, then to analyze your data and see how many students, you know, improved. All this takes time for faculty. And then to disseminate those findings is important as well as part of our scholarship um, and just to inform the field. So this is a long-term investment in others, in our research, in our own personal learning. So I continue to collaborate with my partners, with different partners in a variety of different ways. And that's where you find some of these partners. Our Office of International Program also has a list of partners they work with. And that's how I found my partners for this virtual exchange. I had the students interview each other on what it means to be a global citizen. And so they found it interesting that People in the U.S. have one idea of global citizenship. People who were not born in the U.S. but live in the U.S. have a different idea of global citizenship. And then the students that were in the U.K. Uh, who they interviewed have a totally different idea of global citizenship. So sometimes the opportunity arises and you come up with a globally network learning or a virtual exchange idea. But other times it's my study abroad or just a global conversation. We want to have a conversation. We record it. We have a great recording studio in our library, Area 49. Or even now through Zoom, like we record it that way and share it with our students for them to get international perspectives. I use a lot of global literature because I can, because I'm a teacher and we can talk about the importance of children's literature, international literature. And that is also another way that I internationalize my curriculum. So I feel like the GNL is just one of many things I can do to internationalize my curriculum for my
1: students. Yeah. So I do agree with you and And I agree that the GNL is a is a long term investment. I've mentioned my global tech launch course model. It sounds very complicated. Three three different players working together, but I haven't scratched the surface yet because the GNL model, and and especially now, everyone across the world is so educated to use virtual uh, technologies. The future opportunities are huge. So GNL is opening up so many possibilities for for everyone. What excites me the most about going forward for this course model is, I would like to engage, uh, more engage and benefit the Charlotte business community. And I can think of several ideas that they can take advantage of global tech launch model, benefit from it through the learning of my students. And I have several ideas. One is post-pandemic, almost all the global businesses, not just in Charlotte, but, but around the world, are trying to come up with work from anywhere policies. So they realize they don't have to get everybody from nine to five in office, but then they still want to have a disciplined, structured policy to make sure that the workflow is efficient. And the Global Tech Lounge, the Global Virtual Teamwork, could help those companies to to experiment many ideas to see uh, in terms of time zone, in terms of cross-cultural team building, in terms of the project, timing, and so on. And the second is digital transformation. Students are experimenting with multiple digital tools to make sure their meetings are efficient. And the third opportunity opportunity is is to, uh, to build a talent. Who can work effectively online to conduct business development projects? And the final one is especially the technology companies, if they don't have the huge budget for field research, for market assessment, they can become a partner of my course and to try some, some virtual pilots field work and experiments. So I'm so excited about all the opportunities that are being opened up by this GNL model.
2: I'm excited too, and I want the technology to catch up. For example, I want augmented reality to catch up. I want to be able to bring my students into a classroom and I can uh, somehow record the this, this space, right? But then do something where we can manipulate that, where I can have particular questions or a little video that shows up and my students can interact, uh, other students across the world with my classroom in this augmented way. And I think sometimes people think, Oh well if we're doing everything virtually no one's going to want to travel. I think that's incorrect. I think the because of the GNL there's more interest to travel, right? Like this is just um uh kind of a teaser.
0: We have a very exciting future for our students, don't we?
1: Yeah. So I want to follow I want to follow up quickly on Adriana's point. So the GNL is making global travel more possible. So it's not only Increasing students' interest in travel and work abroad because now they know more, they're more prepared, and they have local contacts to help them. And and some of the students in, in Istanbul, uh, uh, said they would like to host my students as tour guide, uh, cover their travel expenses, uh, in the first first week. That was ne- that would never happen without GNL. And second, it would also increase students affordability to try study abroad or work abroad. So it's not only increasing students' interest to physically travel abroad and work abroad, but also making such opportunities more affordable.
0: Well, thank you for visiting with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you for, for having us.
0: For more on Global Tech Launch, visit our website at builtcollege.unc.edu/buzz. While you're there, check out previous episodes and tell us how we're doing by completing our survey. This is Charlotte Business Buzz, connecting Charlotte business through one-on-one interviews with UNC Charlotte faculty, staff, alumni, and industry partners. Presented by the Bell College of Business and produced in association with University Communications.